morning and welcome. Thank you, Tara and worship folks for leading us like that. That was a great time. Once upon a time, once upon a time, Jack and his mom were very poor. Jack had to sell their only cow for some beans. When he took the beans home, his mother was so mad at his business trade that she threw the beans out the window. Of all things, the next morning, there was a giant beanstalk outside the window that had grown all the way up to the sky. Jack, in his curiosity, decided to climb the beanstalk up into the clouds. When he got there, he found the castle. The kind lady of the house fed him dinner. And when her husband, an angry giant, came home, she hid Jack. The giant ate his supper, and like the rest of us, he asked for the magic hen. Right? That's what you do after supper. The magic hen that laid the golden eggs. But then he grew bored and got drowsy and fell asleep, and Jack came out of his hiding place and stole the hen and escaped down the beanstalk. Jack and his mom sold the golden eggs and became wealthy. Jack went back two more times. Once he brought back a bag of golden coins, next he took a magic harp. But the harp started to sing and woke up the giant from his nap. And the giant ran after Jack, and Jack climbed down the beanstalk and chopped it down before the giant could catch him. And Jack and his mom lived happily ever after. Of course, you know the story. We've, for some strange reason, chosen to read that story to our kids before bed and wonder why they can't sleep at night. <laughs> good night, kids. Have a very good rest. We'll see you in the morning. Really, Dad? You want me to go to sleep with that guy on my mind? Jack is a piece of work. My goodness, he makes a series of lousy, questionable decisions. A cow for five beans, leaving home without telling his mom, trespassing and stealing. He makes a widow out of a woman that helped him. A man dies, even though he was a giant, a giant dies. He gets off scot-free, lives happily ever after. And you want me to sleep well with that on my head? Oh my goodness. No wonder our kids are messed up. You know, parents say, where did he ever get such an idea as to do something like that? Maybe it's from the reading material. You know, it's a scandal. It's a fairy tale. That's what we call it. It, it does have, if you stretch it, it does have some roots in the Bible. Uh, that part about the magic beans. Right. Welcome to message number four in our series from the book of Mark in Matthew chapter 13, which is a parallel passage of Mark chapter 4. Jesus told eight stories there. Mark tells four of those same stories in his chapter. All the stories were about the kingdom, which is the favorite subject of Jesus. You probably already know that. In the Gospels, it's mentioned over a hundred times. But what he said about the kingdom in, in the first century is has great relevance in our century. 
this was a very popular subject among his audience. The Jew, the Jewish nation expected a conquering hero. Uh, they were sick of Roman soldiers in their town. They were itching for a revolution. And anybody who said the kingdom of heaven is near, as Philip Yancey said, would surely awaken uh, the hearer's mind, the in the hearer's mind, the image of a military and political leader. Man, something is about to happen. He said the kingdom is near. Once Jesus said, one greater than Solomon is here, referring to himself. Well, under Solomon, the boundaries of the country were never greater and times were never better. Just give the signal and the zealots would join the revolution. Just say the word. But Jesus never gave the signal. Jesus didn't talk about military strategy or corrupt leaders. He just told stories. Kind of like, kind of like Jack and the Beanstalk. They were looking for a strong army, you know, a chicken in every pot. Instead, they heard Jesus say, deny yourself, love your enemies, go the extra mile. The idea of a suffering Messiah was unthinkable. Mark Moore writes in one of his books on the life of Christ, these words, Jesus' stories are subversive, confusing, and explosive. Yeah. Romans didn't like to talk about another kingdom, and nor did any of the other leaders. It was dangerous talk, and it was kind of Kind of ridiculous when you think about it because Jesus had no money, no advertising campaign, no lawyer, no accountant, no agent, no publicist. He wasn't an author. He didn't write a book. He, he didn't write songs. He wasn't a movie maker. Yet he had the nerve to talk about a kingdom. And on top of that, when you read the stories about the kingdom, he really gave no clear definition of what he meant by the word kingdom. He, he just told stories about farming and fishing and baking bread and people who lost stuff. Hmm. But once he said something really curious, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It's near? Well, shouldn't you be recruiting soldiers? Shouldn't you be in meetings plotting some takeover? But he went out of his way to keep the meaning of the kingdom hidden to outsiders he explains things privately to his followers, as we'll find out. But it's deep stuff. It's not for those, if you, maybe you're not ready to handle it. His kingdom is not for the faint of heart. There's something powerful here.
Let me give you a clue. The prophet Daniel, centuries earlier, helped explain the dream of powerful King Nebuchadnezzar. It was a bizarre dream about a statue. Daniel explained that the statue was all about man-made kingdoms like Babylon or, or Greece or Rome. But then he said this to King Nebuchadnezzar. He said, in those days God will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It will crush, it will crush all those other kingdoms and bring them to an end, but itself will endure forever. Wow. You, you can imagine then the excitement in the crowd when Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is near. <gasps> wow. Perhaps they remembered you know, Daniel's words. It's going to crush all those other kingdoms. But then Jesus reverted back to talking in story terms. Stories that were odd. Not plotting a conspiracy to overthrow, but stories about farmers and soil and seeds and growth and harvest. Okay, so here's the deal. If I could just boil it down so my fifth grade mind could get it. Kingdom, in Jesus' definition, means he rules. The kingdom of heaven is within you, he said. He rules you. He rules your heart. He reigns there. The kingdom of heaven is like. So those who have submitted their life to him are part of his kingdom. He rules you. He rules it all, of course. But he reigns over your life. He's given his kingdom people just two real simple obligations to love God and to love people. Just do that. Just do that and watch how the kingdom expands. Jesus said nothing about a state church or a political movement. He would not be interested in who you voted for. He, he would not be interested in the terms that we use They called evangelical. What does that mean? He wouldn't be concerned about the religious right. He would like to know how you love your neighbor. Yeah, that's what he'd be after. He would be honored if you sought first his kingdom and his righteousness. He checks your loyalty to really one standard. All men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That's it. How are you doing on that? Now, I've limited myself to take one section out of each chapter of Mark leading through the 16 chapters. And it's really hard because there's so much good stuff. But I just chose one of the stories, the last story uh, in the four that Mark tells about the kingdom. And I would like to say as I read these parables, when Jesus tells stories in a series of stories, he tells one, then another, then another, Usually the last story is like the cherry on top of the Sunday. It's like it, it brings it all together and it really has a zinger to it. Now you might not think that today because it's a very brief. I'm going to read it for you. Mark chapter 4 verse 31 through 34. 
He's already told three stories about the kingdom, now the fourth. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. You get some of those explanations uh, in more depth in Matthew's version of the same stories in Matthew 13. But Mark also uh, gives some explanation. So here's some principles about the kingdom that are very simple. You'll get them because Jesus told them so simply that a fifth grader could get it. The kingdom starts small. What a, what a shock for the audience. Um, as you know, they were envisioning some army that was going to rise up and take over. And what a disappointment when Jesus said, it's like a mustard seed. I, what are you even talking about? A mustard seed? We, are, we like shock and awe. That's what we're about. We like bombs going off, buildings falling in, and people taking over. That's, yeah, that's us. Ah. A mustard seed? Yeah, that'll sure take care of our problem with Rome. All these taxes are all going to go away with a mustard seed. Perfect. Got it. What else you got for us, Jesus? I mean, the mustard seed is so small it can go unnoticed by humans. And even birds bypass them. But remember, Jesus explained earlier the seed he's talking about. Matthew defines it, and so does Mark. The seed he's talking about from the parable of the sower, remember that, the four different types of soil? Jesus gave a very clear explanation. He says the, the seed is the word, the word of God. Well, summarize the word of God is not an easy thing, but it's the good news that man can be forgiven and adopted into God's family. That's it simply put. That's the kingdom, that's the seed that's going to go out. You can be welcomed into God's family. Every one of us can be. Yes, you have a, you have a past. It's not glorious. I, I get it. But you're still welcomed in because of His grace. He will forgive that, erase it, cancel it, and give you a brand new start. That's the kingdom. That's the seed that's gone out. Now, I only know mustard as yellow stuff that you put on hot dogs, right? That's what we did. We put mustard, yeah. And spicy brown mustard is really, mmm, just the best. But uh, the University of Illinois Extension site says, mustard seeds should grow rapidly and without stopping. The plants tend to take over an area where they are growing. The leaves are a good source of vitamin A and C. Seeds are contained in pods. Be sure and harvest before they burst. Hmm. Give it time. Watch out. Something's happening that you can't imagine. 
It's the ultimate story of the underdog. A mustard seed. That's the kingdom. Jesus must be thinking back to his arrival on the planet. You remember the Christmas story. A baby in a manger, raised in a humble home, uh, hardly the leader of a revolution, but in a, in a selfish world, he said, deny yourselves. In a world seeking leadership, he said, I am among you as one who serves. Follow my example, wash each other's feet. What? Great things always start with a small idea, don't they? It, it starts in someone's mind. Maybe we could. Did you ever think about trying to do it? You know, it's an idea. And suddenly you have a mega company. William Wilberforce is known as the one who helped end slavery in England. He was challenged by his friends. They were all talking and complaining. And Wilbur, Wilbur, Wilberforce was the one who said, you know, he was talking to most. They man, this is ridiculous. This, these people are being abused. This is ridiculous. And his friend said, why don't you do something about it? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't I do something about it? Good question. And William Barclay in his commentary says, an idea was born in the mind of one man, and that idea changed life for millions of people. Aren't you glad? An African Christian man said it like this, when we want to take Christianity to one of our villages, we just send a Christian family to live in that village, and they make the village Christian by living there. Loving God, loving your neighbor. It sounds very similar to the mustard seed, doesn't it? It, it starts small, and then it begins to spread. You read the websites, and it says, all oh, really that's required to grow mustard seed is average soil and plenty of sun. I think maybe even I could grow mustard seed. I think I could do it. Bet you could too, even though you don't have a green thumb. Just throw it out there and get out of the way. A master gardener certificate is not required. Jesus spreads his revolution through common people and ordinary circumstances. Everybody, everybody who has surrendered to him is under obligation to love God and to love people. And you can see how that spreads. You, you love people right where you are. It's like those magic beans that Jack traded for his cow. You just, just throw it out there and get out of the way. You know how it went. The kingdom went from a baby in Bethlehem eventually to 12 disciples. And by the start of the book of Acts, that number had grown to 120 people. And by the end of Acts 2, it had grown to 3,000 people. In Acts chapter 4, the number increased the Bible says to 5,000 people. In Acts 6, the number of disciples multiplied, it says. In Acts 9.31, the churches were in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and they grew in numbers. And eventually, the mustard seed found its way all the way to Clarence, New York. Oh my goodness, aren't you glad? Jesus' kingdom is like that. It spreads and it grows like Chinese restaurants. No advertising. No grand opening. 
You drive by one day and the store's empty. The next day, they're open for business. And there's a line out the door. They just pop up everywhere. Daniel predicted this amazing kingdom would fill the whole earth. Have we got there yet? Got to be close. This is the mustard seed kingdom that you are a part of. It spreads and then Jesus says the kingdom is unstoppable. When I first committed my life to Christ, I was given a book to read by my mom. I read that book. I loved it so much. Uh, she found another one. Or somehow a friend told her about this book called God Smuggler. Bet you some of you guys have read it. It's probably written about maybe 1970. There's uh, a story of a guy who hid Bibles in his blue Volkswagen Beetle and smuggled Bibles into countries behind the Iron Curtain. That's when communism ruled Europe. Places like East Germany and Poland and Bulgaria and Romania and on. He was known only by the code name Brother Andrew. And what a story. I, I read the story and I go, man, I want to be like that guy. That is so cool. Risking your life for the kingdom and helping this kingdom spread like that. He was criticized, of course, by some church people because he was breaking the laws of the land by taking in uh, illegal materials behind the Iron Curtain. And of course, there was some controversy about that. Uh, he, he said, you, you know, you guys can debate it. You just do whatever you want to do, debate it. God has called me to take the seed to the soil. And that's what I'm going to do until the Lord stops me. And I read about Brother Andrew. He had written a couple other books as well and articles. He believed that God had prepared one heart out of a thousand to receive the good seed. Now in Matthew 13 and Mark 4, Jesus tells the parable of the soil and it's one out of four that lands on good soil and produces a harvest. And the other three, 75% fail. Okay, Brother Andrew said the odds were even tougher than that. It's just one heart out of 1,000 receive the good seed and, and produce a crop like the mustard seed. And he said, you know, when, with the odds like that, behind the Iron Curtain, under tough circumstances, a lot of people don't want to go and distribute Bibles or meet with believers because the pressure, the odds are against them. You know, what, one out of a thousand, I mean, you could go for a whole month and not find that one person. Our, our friends who work in Alleyland pray that God will open a door for them so they can find a a man of peace. And they might go through a lot of acquaintances before they find one person whose heart seems to be open. And then look out. Well, Brother Andrew asked him, asked God to guide him to people who were ready to receive the Bibles, ready to receive the Word of God. Uh, Deb sent me an article that she found this week that told the story that Brother Andrew 
passed away at age 94 recently. Uh, the guards at all those borders couldn't touch him. He died of natural causes. Amazing. Only God knows how far the mustard seed spread through his work. But it spread because it's unstoppable. All it takes is somebody to throw, throw the beans out the window. All it takes is somebody just to drop some mustard seed somewhere. And look out. In Acts chapter 5, the religious authorities thought they could stop the mustard seed by spraying it with weed killer. Like persecution. Or threats of death. Speak no longer in the name of Christ, they said. And it was a losing battle. And it was one of their leaders, a man named Gamaliel, who said these words. You might as well just back off. If their purpose is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. What a prophetic line he gave. How right he was. Prior to 1941, it was estimated that about 2 million Christians lived in China. Then Mao Zedong came to power and he made it a priority to wipe out all forms of religion. He banished all foreign missionaries. But before they left, some people spilled some mustard seed out of their luggage. Mao Zedong confiscated all the church property, including hospitals and colleges. He killed the senior leader in every church and in every organization that he could find. He killed or imprisoned the second and third in command if he could find them in every church. He banned all Bibles and all public meetings. And whenever a Christian was found, he was jailed. Under those circumstances... What would become of a mustard seed? Would all those years of investing in China through kingdom work be wasted? Would they have to start over from scratch? And most people assumed that the church in China had withered. Mao died in 1976. And now looking back, during that time, it is estimated that the church grew in China from 2 million to 60 million. As it is said, God buries his workmen and carries on his work. That's the mustard seed. When you review the stories of the kingdom that Jesus told, you need to think that the disciples had already heard two pretty discouraging stories from Jesus. The story of the farmer who planted the seeds and only one in four found good soil in which to produce. They would receive the word and produce a harvest. One in four. Then the story of the weeds shows this enemy that comes in at night and puts weeds in with all the good, good seed. And he will, do, he will stop at nothing to stop the kingdom from growing. He'll do anything in his power to stop the kingdom from growing. Man, it's depressing odds, really. You know, this is hard work, this kingdom work. 
the job's so big, the enemy's so powerful, what chance do we have of success in building the kingdom of God? Here's the good news. It is not our kingdom. <laughs> the owner and operator ensures its growth. I wonder how many times those disciples remembered the mustard seed story during the hard days when they were themselves in prison. They knew there was an invisible, invincible force inside them and their job was only just to spread the good news. And that same power is inside of you today. It is unstoppable if it's lived out. It's a magnet that draws people to God's love. Don't be discouraged. God is in the story. It's His kingdom. I know what people say about the church and I know what, you know, how you feel about the country and, oh, it's going, it's going down. It is God's kingdom. His people have thrived under worse conditions. I, I wonder if Jesus were telling the story today, to what would he compare the kingdom? Like if he came out today and talked about the mustard seed, we'd all go, I don't know much about the mustard seed. But back then it was, of course, very understandable. I wonder what Jesus would use today to say, the kingdom of heaven is like, I thought maybe he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like COVID-19. Just get out of the way. It's spreading. Go anywhere. Touch anybody. I think he might say the kingdom of heaven is like the fuzzy head of a dandelion. It's just going to go. I got the wind behind it. It's going to go. And I know that you put weed killer on your lawn and you have lawn treatment and you don't, you don't like dandelions. I know that. I'm going to plant them in your yard anyway. That's what I'm going to do. I think he might say to Buffalo people, the kingdom of heaven is like a teaspoon of Frank's hot sauce. Yeah, only need a little bit of it. Only need a little bit of it and it'll get your attention. I think you might say the kingdom of heaven is like one drop of food coloring. You just need a drop. It'll change a gallon of water. How about, he might say the kingdom of heaven is like a sharpie in the hand of an unsupervised three-year-old. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You say, I only left the kid alone for one minute. Look what he did. That's the kingdom like that. I think he might say the kingdom of heaven is like unsafe drinking water at Camp Lejeune. Like all of a sudden, this news has spread across radio and TV. Everybody knows there was contaminated water at Camp Lejeune and you better do something. I'm telling you that you're part of a kingdom that is explosive and relentless and unstoppable. Aren't you glad you're in? And I know the odds. I know. The church has a less than stellar reputation. It looks like we're 40 years behind our culture sometimes. There, many times we're ir irrelevant. Our, our resources, it looks on the surface, are small. The weeds of the culture are growing up around us and they're powerful. The country's godless, but here's the deal. It isn't about us. This is God's kingdom. His people scatter the seed. God makes it grow. He's behind it. He's in it. Uh, it is said that one of the greatest pieces of music ever written was The Messiah by George Frederick Handel. 
the lyrics are about the kingdom of God. And you probably, if you don't know anything about it, you probably remember the grand finale, the Hallelujah Chorus. The kingdom of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. That's how it is. All this from a mustard seed. I need to invite the worship team up as I close here. All this from a mustard seed. Um, if you surrendered your life to Christ, you were part of the greatest enterprise in the history of the world. You're in. People who are loving God and loving people. And if you aren't part of this kingdom, you are missing out on the greatest enterprise in the history of the world. You're missing the boat. And you probably have your reasons. You're saying, well, well, yeah, none, of it, none of it amounts to a hill of beans. Get it? A hill of beans. That can all change right now. No more excuses. You can gain entrance into the kingdom of God today. He's done all the hard work. It's free. He's paid for it. Your job is to repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the kingdom of God takes residence in your heart. Oh my goodness, what a deal. If you'd like to make that decision today, I'd be happy to meet you down front or talk with you after this service is over. Would you stand with me, please, and join our team?